taking care of things right now. The Wesley Fields. Touchdown. Georgia Southern. Pass swings. On the way. It's gone! It is well with my stolen Montgomery! Georgia Southern wins! Hello, welcome to Georgia Southern Extra. I'm your co-host, Nathan Dominance, with, and with me is my co-host, our co-host, McLean Baxley. McLean, how are you doing tonight? Doing great. Great, great. Well, we're recording uh, the Georgia Southern podcast on Tuesday night, and we're looking forward to Georgia Southern hosting South Alabama on Thursday night, 7.30 p.m. at Paulson Stadium, shown on ESPN. We'll get to that game in a few minutes, but let's talk about Georgia Southern football up to this point, with the most recent game being the, uh, the loss at Coastal Carolina in Conway, South Carolina on Saturday. And McLean, um, let's do, uh, we'll do first down. What's your first take on that game? First take was that, uh, that offense just not showing up in the second half. You know, they're going to the locker room with the number, you know, top 25 coastal Carolina on the road, uh, tied a piece at 14. And then second half, uh, Georgia Southern just comes out and just, doesn't uh, score at all. Um, they only had one touchdown in the first half. You know, the second touchdown was a, a kick return or a punt return from Wesley Kennedy, and then the other touchdowns with a t- score. So just not finding the end zone and not producing on offense was um, just kind of disappointing to see uh, in a game that they had a right to be in. They were they looked really good in the first half, and the defense was holding up, and and then second half just the offense just couldn't produce. Yeah, it's. Um... Uh, for people who didn't see the game, the final score was Coastal Carolina, which was ranked 25, 25th in the country. They they won the game 28 to 14, but 14 about eight minutes into the second or into the fourth quarter. And you've got uh, basically the game's up for grabs. And the first strike was by Coastal Carolina and George Southern did not match it. They they did not put a drive together. They they went three and out. They uh, they didn't uh, they didn't capitalize on any on on some of the plays that were there and Coastal Carolina hit him with a, a one-two punch of a second touchdown. And the last few minutes was just desperation time. Uh, Georgia Southern had to pass and Coastal Carolina knew that and just kind of teed off. And uh, it was kind of a slop in a, a pretty tight contest. And you mentioned Wesley Kennedy, uh, the third 60 yard punt return in the, in the first quarter that tied the game at seven, I believe. And um, it seemed like Georgia Southern was going to match him blow for blow, but did you, did, what did you see Coastal Carolina doing? Did you did they just uh, coach uh, Chad Lunsford for Georgia Southern said that they just had the intensity, this uh, this uh, energy from the start, and he didn't see that out of all of his players. Does that does that kind of you, you, you gather? Did you see that as well? Yeah, I think that intensity was was not there. You know, for the guys wearing all white uh, from Southern and um, in the same realm. You know, it just seemed like they were putting too much emphasis on every play. They knew that. You know, they were coming into another road game, a uh, road conference game and a road conference game against a ranked team. You know, so I think they were kind of overthinking every pass, every rush, every tackle, every kickoff, every field goal. You know, everything was just they were overthinking it. And maybe that's what, you know, led them to to lose the game in almost every aspect of the game. You know, they lost the time possession, which Jordan prides itself coming in. They were number one in the country. Um, they only, you know, held the ball for 27 minutes right. against Coastal. They uh, were two, two of 12 on third down. Yeah, I mean, two, two of 12, and and they, uh, you know, had 218 total yards of offense, and 
just not, you know, other than that, you know, that one scoring drive there right before halftime, um, they just had nothing to, to base off of. And this is coming after, you know, a week before where they won 41 to zero against a, a UMass team. It was the first game of the season and UMass is nowhere even close to where Coastal Carolina is. But even against other teams, you know, they've been able to run in for it. They've had a hundred yard rusher in all four games going up to this point. So the fact that they couldn't even get a hundred, that they got just they had a hundred. They finished with 119 total rushing yards, um, net yards, and, and in other four games previous, they were having at least one hundred yard rusher. So I don't know where you fix that, you know. And, they, and you know they only got four days to fix it, but that's my big big takeaway is just the lack of offense uh, on that weird teal turf on Saturday. Yeah, it was um, it, the, the teal being one of the team colors. Uh, but it was also hot that day. Uh, it was a noon kickoff, and they said they didn't want to use that excuse. Obviously, both teams are playing in that. Both teams are Southern or Southeastern United States teams. They're used to practicing and playing. But that was uh, maybe a little warmer. Uh, uh, you know, um, Shywerts, the starting quarterback for the Georgia Southern, four-year starter, he had to get IV in the, th- in the third quarter and missed a series or two. He um, – he said he told me after the game that he was feeling kind of uh, not himself uh, during halftime, but there wasn't time to to get an IV put in, and and he tried to give it a go in the third quarter, and it just wasn't happening. So he had to go. You know, to his credit, he came back, but uh, he said he didn't want to use it as an excuse. But if, if his legs aren't, you know, uh, they're, they're full, they're normal. You know, he's a very fast runner, uh, very quick runner, and if he's not uh, himself, he's not close to one hundred percent. He's not, he's not getting the, he's not turning the corner the same way. He's not maybe getting his legs under him to throw the ball. The passes were a little off. Uh, maybe there's part of that's the route running. Maybe part of that said he was under a lot more pressure than he's faced in other games. Um, I think my, my second take would be that maybe the UMass game uh, kind of threw people off for competition Georgia Southern faces when they are in the Sun Belt and when they are facing a team like Coastal Carolina, which um, you know, we don't normally say that, but Coastal Carolina is um, nationally ranked for a reason, and they didn't come into the season with a lot of expectations, but they're 5-0, and and they've beaten, not only beaten everybody in front of them, but look good doing it. And the fact that uh, the UMass game, I think, gave people, uh, might have given people uh, a, a false sense of exactly how well the offense was doing. I mean, it did what it was supposed to do against UMass and dominated, but it hadn't been exactly where they wanted to be up to that point and 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 the defense as well had not been a great uh until the umass game louisiana game if we want to go back a little bit uh to september 26th the louisiana game georgia's uh, uh, ranked team number 19 uh playing on the road this sounds sounds familiar uh georgia southern uh played with or maybe outplayed louisiana that game and felt like they should have won that game and i think they were hoping for the same kind of energy and uh, intensity that you mentioned when you go to play a ranked team in Coastal Carolina and uh, they had a full week to prepare and it just didn't happen. And Coastal Carolina obviously should get credit for uh, the, the scheme they had on defense against Georgia Southern's uh, option attack. Um, you know, you look at a, a runner like J.D. King, who's going to get tough yards no matter who the defense is, but he didn't uh, he wasn't able to have a big day. And uh, then they kind of spread it around, and nobody had a big day. So um, credited Coastal Carolina defense, but Georgia Southern, to, to your first point, Georgia Southern had to make something happen on offense, 
And this brings up a point that Chad Lunsford, I'll give him a third take on this. Chad Lunsford said the D, the offense has to help the defense. You can't leave the defense out there, whether it's a hot day or not. Um, if the defense is out there a long time, and that gets to your time of possession, uh, which was, um, I think they, they it was 27 minutes, uh, five, 32 minutes. So they, um, the, the, the Georgia Southern defense was out there a lot longer than they wanted to be or sh- should have been because uh, there should have been a, a couple more uh, Georgia Southern methodical long drives, at least you would hope so. Didn't happen. Coastal Carolina made the plays when they had to. Uh, one of the only highlights, if you will, was Wesley Kennedy's punt return, which was a uh, sports center best of kind of highlight and, and was all over the internet to uh, to Wesley's credit. So um, anyway, we... Um, Anything else jump out about you, about that game to you, uh, McLean? The Coastal Carolina 28-14 victory over Georgia Southern last Saturday. I mean, I think Coastal Carolina getting the respect they deserved. You know, they're ranked. They keep moving up. Um, a couple of riders have started, um, you know, putting them in that conversation for the New Year's Six Bowl game that, you know, goes to the top uh, group of five team, which for the past you know four or five years has been given to you know the winner of the American Conference, whether it's UCF or Memphis or or this year Cincinnati, it's looking like or or Boise State in years past. But you know Coastal Carolina at you know five and zero with a uh, you know power five win and so far three and zero in conference. I mean they they are looking like the team that they want to look like. They've already beaten Louisiana, who I think is the second best looking team. They still play Appalachian. They still have to play Appalachian State um, down the down the road, but um, as of right now, you know, as of you know this week, I mean, they are looking like the best team, um, you know, the Sun Belt, and frankly, the best team uh, on Georgia Southern's uh, schedule. So, I mean, the fact that we said earlier that they were able to hold their own that first half and really through three quarters, the defense looked really good. You know, with Rashad Bird, Bernard Ellis, and you know, the secondary also has been stepping up each week. I know it was. They're facing their backup quarterback um, and Coastal's backup quarterback, but the secondary has really stepped up the past few weeks, and so the the defense has held there into the bargain. Now it's just getting that you know that offense in sync, and and this offense that preseason that was you know the the offense that we were hoping to see was going to be the offense that we saw against UMass, and you know averaging you know three hundred plus yards a game with ease, you know Wirtz throwing it, passing it, JD King, Wesley Kennedy, Logan Wright all picking up yards, and so we haven't seen that really outside of that UMass game where everybody's in sync, but um, if they can get that together, I mean, they, 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 there's potential there, but as of right now, I mean, Coastal is, is head and shoulders above the, the rest of the Sun Belt. Right. Right. And um, you, you mentioned, and that was going to be one of my other takes. So you have Coastal Carolina favored for the first time in their season against Georgia Southern. They're the ranked team. They're the home team. And then uh, we find out before the game that their star quarterback, a redshirt freshman named Grayson McCall, statistically one of the best quarterbacks in the country. Uh, can't go. He can't play because of an upper body injury that he suffered in the win over Louisiana. And they were hoping that it was a game time decision. They were hoping him to go. He was going to go. And once word got out that the star quarterback for Coastal Carolina wasn't going to play, the uh, the gambling odds went to I guess to one or pick them. But uh, the point is, Georgia Southern had to take advantage of that situation. You have a backup quarterback, but he's not your your average backup. He um, Fred Fred Payton was contending to be the starting quarterback throughout the summer, uh, especially when Grayson McCall had uh, had to sit out for contact tracing related to COVID. And Fred Payton had started 10 games in his career. He's a junior. He's not some um, freshman or, or something. So he, uh, he had the wherewithal to, to step in and step up. 
but he didn't he didn't like the, you know set the game on fire it wasn't some sort of um movie hollywood movie kind of uh, outing he he had a solid game he did throw a couple of interceptions like you mentioned coastal carolina like that likes to run the ball especially two rushing yards in the first half that's total that's 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 a, supposed to be a good indicator that the other team's having its way but all it meant was that it was a tie game so the other the only thing that jumps out at uh, about that game uh is uh, that george southern had to punt the ball a lot eight times and fortunately they have an excellent punter in anthony beck and he had um i think he had four punts of the eight within the 20 uh so he put them in good position unfortunately the last punt uh if not the last punt but close to it was a big return for uh, Coastal Carolina that set up the, the, the final touchdown of the game. And I think that that two touchdown difference is really what put the pressure on Georgia Southern to throw the ball, to try to score quickly, obviously, to yeah, you needed two scores. And that kind of uh, dictated how that game finished. If, if people had hopes that Georgia Southern's offense was suddenly going to find its legs and, and uh, put together a run, which we've seen before. We've seen Shy Wirtz have big plays uh, against uh, Campbell, for instance, late in the game. Uh, but anyway, uh, we'll, we'll make that a wrap on Coastal Carolina. I do want to uh, ask you about the rest of the season, uh, but let's talk about South Alabama here in the second half of the show. Uh, South Alabama is 3-2 uh, and two in overall and 2-0 and oh in the conference. By the way, George Southern, 3-2 and two overall, 1-2 and two in the conference. So uh, South Alabama's got a lot of uh, – lot looking to looking forward to to try to stay un, unbeaten in the conference McLean, what's your first thought about this south alabama team when you see what kind of season they're having right now i mean all the momentum's on their side um you know we, we talked about it with uh dylan springer and you know chad lunsford on monday um talking about how they are coming you know south alabama's coming in having won their past two games um both conference games and southern having a, you know, a heartbreaking loss where they could have won on the road against a ranked team. So, you know, a lot of momentum is going to be on South Alabama. I think South Alabama is also kind of a little mad, you know, last year's game went to double overtime and it was a game that on paper, like if you just look at the box score, you know, Georgetown dominated that game, but it took two overtimes to get there, you know, with, you know, Tyler Bass making some field goals and, you know, PATs and, and Raymond Johnson having to block the, the, uh, you know, field goal from uh, South Alabama at home. So, and then a few years before that, a uh, winless Georgia Southern team goes out and, and wins 52 nothing on senior day against South Alabama uh, and keeps them from a bowl game. So, though Georgia Southern is coming in 6-0 and all-time against the the Jaguars, I think there's if, – if there's ever going to be a year that South Alabama can, can you know, hang and, and get that first win, it's this year. You know, same thing last year, opposite side, it was – Georgia Southern, who has had its way with Coastal the past, you know, seven or eight or six or seven uh, times they've played, and Coastal got the best of them on this weekend. Um, you know, I, I would not be surprised if South Alabama came out there with that same expectation Thursday night in Paulson. Yeah, I, I think uh, when when people look at uh, they're looking for some sort of history or track record, it's it's overwhelmingly in, in, in uh, Georgia Southern's favor, six and zero all time. The first five were all blowouts, and as you mentioned. They, when they played last year, uh, October 3rd of last year, at South Alabama in Mobile, Georgia Southern won 20-17 to 17 in two overtimes, but it was 17-17 through regulation, and that was thanks to a Wesley Kennedy touchdown uh, with just 20 seconds left, a one-yard score, and then Tyler Bass made the extra point to force overtime. And South Alabama, South Alabama 
uh, had a field goal or Bass missed a field goal in the first overtime and South Alabama could have won it. And Raymond Johnson, the third, who's now a senior, uh, he blocked the, the field goal. So they forced the second overtime. And in the second overtime, Bass made his field goal. And uh, Randy Way Jr., who's with the team still, uh, forced a fumble on a sack. And Raymond Johnson was in the right place at the right time and recovered it. Uh, so South Alabama was 0 for, th- 0 for 10, by the way, on third down conversions in that game. Don't expect that kind of same night for this team. This team uh, uh, has uh, a lot more uh, – it has a lot of the same weapons – uh, in terms of the wide receivers, uh, Quan Baker is uh, George Southern fans might remember he had a, a big touchdown catch against them last last year, and he's already he did the same. They had a very odd kind of statistical game against uh, uh, Louisiana Monroe last week. Um, Georgia, I mean uh, South Alabama won thirty eight to fourteen against a team that's now zero and six. So you'd say okay, they dominated, but their starting quarterback Desmond Trotter completed only eight passes. He didn't try, throw too many, only threw uh, 12, I think. But you know, he completed eight passes, six to Quan Baker, who's the uh, co-offensive player of the week this week in, um, in the, in the Sunbelt Conference. He, he's a big play guy. They have some big play guys, what uh, Chad Lunsford called quick twitch guys, the speedy guys uh, who can do uh, connect plays. They, have, they used two quarterbacks this year, Desmond Trotter, who came on at the, as a freshman at the end of last season, started some games. Uh, as they, I guess they were starting to rebuild for 2020 and been the starter, but uh, Chance Lovertich has played um, in actually more games, five games. They've thrown the ball about the same amount of times. Um, Chance Lovertich was a, a big uh, star in the junior college level. He, tra- he uh, transferred into South Alabama competing for a starting job. It looks like Desmond Trotter's been the, when he's able to play, been the starter, but they use them both. So you have a two-quarterback system are, are a, a, a team that is willing to use two quarterbacks. I think you uh, you asked uh, some players and coaches about preparing for that, uh, McLean. They, I think Dylan Springer said, um, just take it one day at a time. Uh, but when you only got four four days, I guess, between su- Sunday, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday to get ready for a Thursday game, it's a, it's a challenge for both teams. And uh, South Alabama has got to travel as part of that uh, those four days. So what, uh, what do you see as uh, – the, the kind of South Alabama team that Georgia Southern will face that so you think they're going to, um, they're going to be very sharp or the, is the short week going to catch up to them? I mean, it, it it's a, uh, it's a short week for both teams, you know, uh, South Alabama, you know, played on Saturday night, um, you know, they got to win. And uh, so both of them are only having, you know, four days to repair, but I mean, I think that plays into uh, South Alabama's favor of, you know, like I said earlier, you know, with them coming off that win, uh, coming in with, with momentum and, and, you know, like I said, you know, that they, I don't know if a revenge game is fitting, but I mean, it's kind of like that, you know, they've also, they're averaging 400 yards of offense. Um, Georgetown is only averaging 363 yards of offense. So, I mean, there's a lot of uh, moving parts on both sides and a lot of experience on both sides. So, uh, I mean, I think it's going to be an entertaining game um, on, on, you know, when Georgetown has the ball and when South Alabama has the ball, but will it come down to that, you know, who – because in the long run, you know, right now, I mean, South Alabama is still in contention for South, for a Sunbelt championship. Right now they're, you know, tied with Coastal and tied with Appalachian State for that, um, you know, uh, winning the Sunbelt East. So they still have that to play for. Um, and they and where Georgia Southern really is just playing for pride at this point and, and hoping for, you know, to get pick them enough wins to get that bowl game uh, in December. So – 
Um, and also pride, you know, playing at Paulson, they always talk about, you know, the power of Paulson is going to be a night game. They're going to have, you know, the new LEDs in the stadium um, that they'll be showcasing frequently. I'm sure um, that, you know, it's the first home game in, in a few weeks, first conference home game uh, since 2019. So, I mean, there's both teams are playing for a lot of stuff. It just is going to come down to who is playing for more um, or who wants it more, which I know is a cliche, but I mean, I really think that's how it comes down to on, on, on Thursday night. Well, uh, a couple things. Um, one is uh, South Alabama has been uh, at home for their last four games. So if uh, if there is a, a big home field advantage for Georgia Southern, that maybe could kind of maybe having a little extra impact because this team hasn't hasn't been in a hostile environment in over a month. Uh, the other thing, uh, one of the other things is South Alabama, their opponents, they are three and two and they've played virtually statistically it's been a virtual uh, dead heat with all of their opponents. Uh, but if you look at who they played and they can only schedule who they schedule, but it's not an overwhelming uh, lineup uh, they beat um, Southern Miss, which is one and four. They lost, they beat Tulane, which is two and four. They lost to, um, sorry, they lost to Tulane, which is two and four. They, uh, they beat, which is four and two, a solid, very solid team. And then they beat a couple of conferences foes that are toward the bottom or at the bottom of the, the conference standings in Texas State, who's 1-6, and six, and ULM, which, who's 0-6, including a, a loss to Georgia Southern. Uh, on ESPN, uh, the, the big network, it hasn't, they haven't had a home game in Statesboro since, uh, it, uh, since I guess, they played for a national championship back in the 80s, so there's a little bit of nostalgia there. Uh, Georgia Southern plays on Thursday nights nationally relatively regularly and has a, has a, a really good record on Thursday nights. A lot of that depends on the opponent, but uh, you know, when the opponent's been Appalachian state a couple of times and they beat a team that may guess was favored. Uh, but you, you talk about trying to pick up wins and, and build towards a, a really positive season, maybe a bowl game. So you look at Georgia Southern schedule and they've got the South Alabama, but then, and then November seventh against a Troy team, which is also kind of a dynamic team, and then they get a third home game against Texas State, and Texas State has had some bad losses, but they've also got got the win in there, and um, and then you've got uh, Georgia Southern going to Army on November twenty first. The game that's the replacement for um, uh, the replacement, and then you've got uh, Georgia State at Georgia State, uh, Florida Atlantic, which is the makeup day on December fifth for the early the the uh, September game that got postponed. And then you can close out this, the regular season with Appalachian State at home, uh, December 12th, the game that was supposed to be October 14th. So it's a pretty, pretty stiff lineup uh, for Georgia Southern. And uh, they've got to get the wins where they can. Uh, maybe they feel like they're the best team in all of those matches. If they play the best, they've got a shot. Army obviously is a, a pretty dangerous team. Um, well, as we wrap this up, this episode of Georgia Southern extra well we're taping on tuesday uh looks like uh georgia's uh, a good amount of players every week they've had a smaller and smaller list of inactives on game day so that's the positive uh they look like they'll have um um we didn't hear about any injured players or, or anything like that or people being out so uh what's uh what's your prediction for uh thursday night mclean place that it's gonna be a close game you know based off of both the box scores and just the eyeball test of who they've played, you know, uh, the, the one game they have overlap is that is, is Louisiana Monroe and, you know, Georgia Southern 
barely scraped by, you know, with 35-30 win. And then this past week, South Alabama beat them at home 38-14. So that's the one game that they've both played, and, and they both won, but in different ways. And so I think it's going to be a close game. And, um, you know, if Georgia Southern can come out like they – if they come out with the same, you know, uh, uh, mindset and same um, confidence that they had in preseason where they were talking like they were going to win the Sun Belt, like they were going to be one of the best offenses in Georgetown history, they, sh- they should win on, on Thursday. And, you know, we'll, we'll, see, we'll see what happens under the lights. Yeah, I, I think if you, you step back and you say, well, which team is going to – and I, I said something along these lines before the Coastal Carolina game, which Georgia Southern team is going to show up? You've got a team playing at home on national television at night. So there might be a lot of juice there, a lot of uh, intensity kind of built up, which would probably be a good thing. And then you've also got a, an opponent that they're familiar with uh, who's playing very well, so they should be motivated, a conference opponent. Uh, you saw how they came out against Louisiana uh, for a full game. Uh, and Chad Lunsford's always talking about them being able to start fast, finish fast, and uh, just finish. And that's a, a, a thing all coaches talk about. And I think if they can finish strong in this game, that could be the difference if they play more like they played against uh, UMass and Louisiana and a little less than like they played against uh, ULM uh, and keep, you know, keeping the other team in the game with, uh, you know, giving up big plays and giving up uh, turnovers and, and not really dominating time of possession. Maybe uh, I'd have to look at those stats, but the game, that game was awful close and um, uh, a little too exciting probably for them at the end. Uh, so we'll see. I, I think if you looked at it from, at the start of the season, you asked, well, who's supposed to win that game? You'd say, well, Georgia Southern at home on national TV on a short week uh, should win. Uh, they're, you know, they're, they're expected to be better than South Alabama this year. And we'll see if that's the team that shows up on Thursday night. Uh, McLean, thanks for being my co-host today. Everybody, thanks for listening to Georgia Southern Extra. We'll be back next week to talk about the South Alabama game and preview the Troy game. Have a good night, everybody. Southern. Ass swing.